0: back folks it's chase and josh with factor fantasy that's chase i'm josh and we are here to give you episode six in season three of the witcher today last week i took us through episode five a of the uh, full circles coming full circle <laughs> and uh, some of the cool build-up for what's about to happen today today chase is going to take us through episode six it's a banger of an episode really fireworks from the moment it started to the closeout so uh Before we get started, though, I'm going to have Chase say a few words, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, man, I wasn't expecting this. I
1: think this is probably one of the most action-packed episodes we've had this season, if not the whole series. I mean, it's a banger. So let's get it started, man. Malice in the chalice.
0: Cheers, buddy. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Yeah, man, go in there, and and, uh, let's have you take us through episode six.
1: Let's do it. Cool. So we start out right where we left off as Jay Nelly took us through last week. Remember, we left off with Dijkstra has that knife to Geralt's throat. Uh, I did want to put this dialogue here. I don't have a lot of dialogue, but I thought this conversation was really interesting because you kind of see what we were talking about last episode. Dijkstra is not as jacked up to be what some people think he is. But so Dijkstra tells Geralt, well, first of all, like, talk about this. Like, choose your battles, man. Like, you're going to go one-on-one with this guy? He says, you should have chosen his side, Witcher, the Redania side. And he's holding that knife to Geralt's throat, and Dijkstra orders Geralt to lay down his weapon, his sword, as other guards begin to enter. And Geralt says, I'll comply piece of advice though coming after mages during their own home during a conclave that's suicide <laughs> foreshadowing at its finest right and uh so then we're cutting over to Yennefer and Yen is speaking elvish and opens a portal and grabs Geralt's sword that he placed down when he was you know giving up his weapon uh, to Dijkstra's guards And then mages at this point are being captured. And and then we cut over to Siri, and she, like, wakes up from this, like, dream. You know, she's always having dreams, and she hears Yen's voice. Did you—was there any, like, details you really saw about this dream? It was just kind of like another dream. I wasn't sure if there was any, like, kind of foreshadowing you saw in this. I didn't see too much into it.
0: Yeah, no, same. But it's interesting because— of, towards the end of this episode, there's some dialogue between Siri and Yen. It makes you think that there should have been more that we saw in this dream, uh, but mm-hmm. no. From where it was on on the screen at this point in the episode, it was just uh, yeah, her like seeing quick visions of Yen and and hearing her voice, and her waking up like in a startle. But uh, no, not not too much context behind it. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything <laughs> when I watched that. And then now, you know. Yaxir he was watching after Siri and he catches Radovan that was trying to kidnap Cirilla and bring her back to Rudania. and he confronts him about it and calls him for like you know because they kind of had like a romantic thing going on at least it seemed like and now he's questioning like all his feelings for him and Yaxir then goes to find Siri and you know she's gone rogue again she's pulling old Rhaenyra <laughs> she's jumped off on her own and she's not there now we're back to Geralt and he's taken to this room where Philippa and Dijkstra man mm. <laughs> Ooh, the snake the snake group right there we got a Trixie and False And uh, they have Vilgeforce in this room with his people bound uh, in bindings. uh, and, And they're, you know, for siding with Nilfgaard. And Geralt is looking at the group and says, so this is a trial? And Philippa says, no, a purge. And uh, then we're cutting back over to Jennifer, and she's being attacked by Lydia. Remember Lydia with, like, the burned face that was hanging out with Rien's for a while? And Lydia casts a spell on her, forcing her to the ground, and is choking her out. But Triss, man, comes in, saves the day. Fuck that shit. <laughs> she casts a spell on, like, Lydia, and then is choking her out with her own, with vines, and... It kinda of reminded me of like, um what are the The Devil's Snare and Harry Potter is what it reminded me of. Did it kinda of give you those vibes, the vines there?
0: Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Triss really didn't do like a whole lot to harm her, just trying to get her off Yennefer and when they she bound her with the the vines there, just pretty much around her her uh arms and her, her legs there <laughs> then uh Lydia started talking some shit, and you know, first of all, well, you ain't gonna do none of that, because I'm about to snap your fucking neck. But, uh, yeah, I thought, <laughs> yeah. That, I thought the whole thing was kind of interesting, uh, you know, so, uh, it was, you know, Triss saved the day, but in terms of double snare, yeah, I could see it, except it wasn't really uh, a plant that acted of its own accord, it was just more so Tris manipulating what was available to her to assist in the current time of need. That's more of what, the way I saw it. True. Lydia
1: kind of came out of nowhere, too. Like, I was like, okay like this moment now but i'll take it as it lies so uh yeah and just like you said you know you know tris like after basically lydia wanted to have like last word i guess you can say as like a child trying to backtalk a parent (laughs) like she's in a bad spire tries to like chime in and and tris like wraps the vine around her neck makes her shut the fuck up and, like, chokes her out, I guess nah, is that, what you That was say. the end,
0: bro. That was Yennefer. Yennefer's the one that snapped her neck.
1: Oh, okay, Yennefer did. Yeah, there you go. Uh, didn't matter because she she wasn't going too far anyways. <laughs> but point being, yeah, exactly. So uh, then Yennefer asked Triss if she'll help her protect Siri, and this is a big point. Triss tells her protecting her is not enough. Like, you're about to have a shit storm on your hand. Now we're back over to Deekstra, and he's telling Tissaia... That they have used as portals connecting Eretuzi and Nilfgaard. so that's kind of a big point there. And
0: real quick, I want to I want to really explain her entrance in there because I thought this was really cool Mm -hmm. and the kind of respect that everyone shows to because everyone was bound up by the Demeritium like thing, so they couldn't use their magic, and to say it walked in that room. ...free of, of bondage. And they're like, why is she not in chains? And she's said, like, because I said, the first person that touches me, I'm going to melt their face off. And, like, no one <laughs> fucking fucked with her, dude. Like, everyone's like, alright, yo, alright, alright. So, it just thought it was really cool the amount of respect that they had for say And honestly to say it really shows that she's worthy of that respect later in this episode she's uh she's a beast man so i just thought it was pretty cool to the you know everyone was all chained up and she just walks in that room of her own free will and she's like yeah i told the first person that touches me i'm gonna melt their fucking face off like all right well here we go that's fine we're good (laughs) so anyways i'll get back to it man yeah
1: no, no no and just side point here it really is interesting you know we talk about this some like back in season one i feel like to say uh would have just gone for her own actions. She wouldn't have really thought through things and would have just done with what she thought was right. You kind of can tell, which is interesting, what we're going to talk about later in this episode. But as she's made this relationship with Bill Vilgefort, she's always become, she's kind of become more, like, compromising in a way, like, trying to see other people's sides. So she didn't just kind of jump on it. So I guess we can say foreshadowing moment right at this point. (laughs) So Radcliffe, accuses Vilgeforts of using Rience to do his dirty work. Ooh, Rience that we've been seeing all season long. And Vilgeforts asks Geralt if he is part of the insanity that's going on. And Geralt, you know, kind of took us by surprise here. He looks and, you know, it's interesting. We always talk about how Geralt, you really kind of want to get inside his head because he's always kind of playing chess with these people. He doesn't have too much emotions. But it's really interesting. He said, I am not, nor do I think the accusations are insane. You did know this was coming. You admitted as much last night. And Vilgefort says, The powers that threaten the continent, Philippa and Dijkstra, are who should be on trial here. And Geralt says, I don't give a shit about brotherhood politics. And then Geralt then tells the group, he looks outside And there's this unnatural fog that's going on. And someone is concealing ships that are coming there. So we know shit's about to go down. This should not be happening. And Vilgefortz then claims it's a Redania army. But Dijkstra then rebuttals that and says he has to give Applegate a large boon, which... It's interesting because like we never fucking ever see Applegate ever in like this series, so I thought that was interesting. Like well, that's how he he's got killed. Answer. He was
0: like fucking trotting yeah. down the way with his horse and got an arrow through the fucking neck. So yeah. you know. But that's that's part of this whole thing. We never saw mm-hmm. who killed him, but I mean, we figure it out obviously with who the ship ends up being. But that's really cool that they were kind of playing chess with each other because realistically. Deekstra thought it was his reinforcements from Redania it, it really gave me the whole Lord of the Rings vibe and I don't want to like ruin it yeah I'll let you get to it but when they hopped off the thing like you know the orcs hopped waiting for them to hop off the ship waiting for reinforcements ends up being Aragorn and the army of the dead so like, I'll just say that to start but I'll let you continue on
1: dude 100% man I mean I, I kept this one kept throwing me through a loop and that usually doesn't happen I, it's fucking badass So Vilgefortz is trying to convince Tissaia, which we know their romantic relationship, to break the binding spell to free them of the chains. And you can tell, like, you know, remember, like, they were, Radcliffe was about to, like, hit him and try to get answers, and Tissaia wasn't putting up with that. Like, no, you're not gonna fucking touch him. Like, that's my guy. And um, then Philippa then tells the group, you're only delaying the inevitable, and orders her guards to strike Vilgefortz and Tissaia gets emotional at this point and then speaks to the binding spell anyways and breaks the chains. What do you think here? Do you think that's something she would have done in season one? I feel like now that she's had this relationship with Bilgeforce because she's attached to him, she does not think through the situation here very well. What do you think?
0: I think it's it's more than that because Tissaia already has some level of animosity with Philippa from previous seasons and them being friends at one point. So she already has a mistrust of Philippa. So she's spent all this past couple seasons getting close to Vilgefort, falling in love with him, them becoming some sort of level of involvement. I don't know if it's husband and wife or, or how deep it goes, but point being is that he's built a higher level of trust with Tissaia than Philippa has. So it's easier in her mind for her to justify that Philippa and Dijkstra are the bad ones and that this is all a lie and a coup to overtake Aretuza on their end for Adania. So I think it's more along those lines than, you know, she's just brainwashed by her love for Vilkeforts.
1: Yeah, I just find it interesting that now... We're going to talk about what happens, but it's definitely interesting, her character arc. And I really start to wonder what, like how she is going to be as a character going forward after all this. But so then Vilgefortz looks at the group, says death to Redania, and then just starts whooping ass. He is shoving people against the wall He is using force magic to get people out of the way. And Dijkstra begins to go into the other room. And Geralt follows. And as this brawl is breaking out, Dijkstra, we start to learn the true snake he is, attacks Geralt. And then they try to go one-on-one. And Geralt, this is no fucking contest, beats his ass. Geralt slams him against the wall breaks his arm shoves him on the floor and then deekstra like a complaining little bitch just goes you will never get away with this i've got 50 men coming coming on those boats and girl just says best hope one of them is a barber surgeon and steps on his leg and fucking breaks it man this was no contest this is what we were talking about what do you think about this moment do you think
0: deekstra ever had a chance no, <laughs> I mean like I, prior to last week's episode, yes, when we thought he was a very talented mage that everyone respected and kind of feared, then yeah. But then after last week, understanding that he doesn't have any sort of real magical powers and he's not a mage, and he's just his his worth is the fact that he learns people's secrets and gains information. Uh, no, at that point, I, I was um, not surprised at all to see this little scuffle go the way that it went.
1: It's interesting too because he chose the one guy. Like if it, saying his power is to gain information and kind of play good cop bad cop, you chose the one guy that's like lacks all emotion to try to fuck with. Like, <laughs> oh like the odds are not in your favor, man. So. Then we go to back to Saya and Vilgefortz, right? They're, you know, everything's going down. They're using force magic. Saya commands Philippa to never come back and just looks at her. Talk about the animosity before. And it's like Philippa just, like, kind of like Deekstra here, like, backs up in her own right. Like, she knows not to fuck with Tissaia. Like, doesn't even try anything. Just, like, accepts and really, like, props to Taseya to for just, like, keeping it cool and just, like, don't come back here again. So the men come off the ship, right? And we're seeing them in hoods, and they're approaching. Tissaia is following Vilgaforts and tells Vilge- Vilgefortz that they can take the Redanians out if they unite their chaos and trap them in the tunnels. Very good plan, actually. I, I like that. But talk about flip of the fucking switch. In the words of Michael Scott from The Office, "Oh how the turntables, <laughs> how the tables turn, baby." Vilgefortz tells Tessa, "It won't be happening." The Skoia TL... how do you call him?
0: The the, the reveal. Yeah, Yeah.
1: The Skoidal will enter the place and burn it to the ground in the name of the White Flame holy shit man like what a fucking like turn of events this was and i want to get your perspective on this because i really feel like this is where i kind of got like the you know i didn't want to reveal anything last week but i kind of got like the danny vibe from to because she's kind of made this character arc and it's kind of like the world's being ripped from underneath of her At this point, like, who's she going to trust at this point? You know, she's been. I don't want to say betrayed really in a bad way because it was for a good cause, but she was betrayed by Yen. And now, like, the one guy she's, like, really trusted all this time. (laughs) Like. Man, like, talk about really fucking her over right now. What do you think? Do you think we're going to get this character arc now from Taseya where she's going to go back to being kind of like the cold, ruthless maid she was back in season one if this series continues?
0: Uh, she'll definitely be more guarded, but I don't think she's ever going to be that scary, you know, badass that she was in season one that everybody feared. That She's definitely powerful and to your point, yeah, betray may not be the right word to use for Yennefer, but Yennefer definitely used her. So if you like to say yeah. it to say it keeps getting used by all these people who are close to her. And that's that's a tough spot to be in. And it's like every time she turns around, every time she lets her guard down a little bit, someone fucks her over in one way or another. So uh I just don't see her character art going backwards. It's possible. But I think at this point, you know, she's She's got her people now you know she knows for a fact the only person that she can really trust is Yennefer and the people who have were fighting alongside her in this whole you know battle at Eratusa. and that's what I really think I, I think now it's become clear who the people in her corner are because even though Yen used her to your point ended up being for good and, and to say you could see how she did that and why she did that for the great quote unquote, the Geller Grindelwald saying the greater good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in any event, I don't believe that to say is going to backtrack and become this cold hearted, you know, closed off person that she was in season one. I just think her, her eyes have been open and she now knows who her people are and that she's just going to defend them uh, to the best of her ability until she eventually goes out
1: yeah i i I can't really see her um being negotiating at all from this point on after everything that's happened to her but yeah i I agree with you i think she's definitely going to be guarded and she's not going to sit here and accept any compromises anymore is what i would say but so vilgefortz tells tesea he has his own plans. <laughs> they are no longer going to include her. <laughs> kind of twisting the knife <laughs> at this moment. And Vilgevort says Stregobor with his pride was easy to set up. And you, with your undying trust, were easy to fool. Now, that's fucking cold, man. <laughs> that is fucking cold. Talk about dirty. You, you are the lowest of fucking low, Vilgeforce. <laughs> You're the lowest of low, man. And Tasea is, like, begging Vilgeforce. You can tell she had emotional attachment to him uh, not to do it, because we know what's about to fucking happen. Motherfucker opens the portal. The men walk through, they take off their hoods, who the fuck is it, the fucking elves with Francesca, Phil ready to get what they've always wanted this whole time. Talk about full fucking circle, trying to get Siri, take what is theirs, I'll let you speak on that for a minute.
0: Yeah, not just Phil Evandrel and Francesca, but the return of Fringilla as well. Yeah. yeah. So she came out Vigilla. of the clouds, you know, because it's interesting. We never saw her meet up with them. So it was really surprising to see her pull her hood off and her on the elf side out of the clear blue sky, you know. So very interesting stuff. I... uh and it was, like I said, this, now I can kind of speak on it more that it happened. It was very similar to Lord of the Rings when the, the orcs and everyone are waiting for the reinforcements from the other, the, the ships that were coming and it ended up being Aragorn and the army of the dead. And they're like, whoa, where did our backup come? So is <laughs> thinking the same thing. is like, yeah, we got our army, got 50 men out there. They're going to come in, they're going to whoop some ass. And then all of a sudden he opens the portal and like, nope, it's not Redania. So sorry. So Deekstra got outmaneuvered. Bye, So, uh, bring this full circle. Dijkstra still sucks. Okay, you can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Great point, too. Like,
1: obviously, we know now, like, based on what was just said, like, Vogelvorts obviously knew what Dijkstra was doing and he was just like oh this is perfect because i'm gonna let him do the work for me like i don't even have to like fucking thanks for saving me some time man fuck off <laughs> i'm gonna go to the gym why like, you do my fucking dirty work and you think you're doing something good <laughs> like, fucking great man and, and another, another guy not, that was not to there continue was
0: on to this too much but just to kind of bring this full circle from last week when i was talking about how everyone has their plans of what's gonna go and take place there at the conclave i said it was um uh, yennefer and Geralt had their plan then we had philip and Dijkstra had their plan and on the other side the other person didn't mention fucking Vilgefortz had his plan the whole time was waiting for this, this to go down as well setting up stragobor gaining to say his trust then bringing in the elves is a little shady little workaround so he, everyone was playing their own game of chess it's just a Vilgax had everybody fooled, and he uh, he had the element of full surprise on his side, and you know really kind of showed here when we get back into it, and you know, I'll let you go ahead and, and dive back into it.
1: It really was the, in my opinion, and I want to get your opinion on this real quick. It really was the perfect flip of the switch because Vilgax. We've seen him like the whole time, but we always just kind of took him as like, you know, that powerful mage that works basically like. Yeah, I guess you can kind of say he was like looked at as above Taseya but just kind of worked with Taseya and Taseya kind of really made the calls there and he was like more just like kind of there to help her develop and then we find out this whole fucking time he's been playing chess with everybody it was the perfect fucking flip of the switch what do you think
0: yeah I thought it was awesome it definitely showed that there was more to his character than met the eye and it's so much so that later on in this episode that we're going through, I'm going to throw a debate out before we, we end, end everything and just really talk about, you know, Vilgefortz from the very beginning when we saw him in season one. And, you know, just things of that nature. I'm not going to give anything away right now. But, yeah, it, it was to the point. It was so well done to the point where I started questioning things from two seasons ago. So, yeah, man, I'll let you continue. It was awesome. And my boy, Phil Evandrel, he
1: comes in and says, Today we reclaim Eratusa as our own, and we reclaim the Elderblood princess as our own. Big powerful statement there. Interesting foreshadowing, though. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Maybe well, not. A lot, lot of
0: big here. words for Phil Evandrel there.
1: <laughs> God wow this guy and you know it's yeah i don't want to give anything away we'll get to it <laughs> so the mages are approaching uh and and back to Saya though like as the elves come in you know we have all the badass mages that have been there gloves are fucking off baby you got the weapons lighting up you got the elves that are now taking out their archery. And you're kind of like, at first, like, what the fuck is this archery going to do against some mages that are like, really, Eratusa, let's bring this up for a moment, too. Like, you're talking about the top mages in the world. Like, this isn't like some, this is the fucking Hogwarts teachers about to go up against the elves here. It was an all-star squad. What would you think of that?
0: Yeah, it looked really cool. The initial face-off was awesome. I I kind of thought the mages were a little silly because obviously the elves are known for being magical creatures. They can harness magic. Mm-hmm. Francesca, arguably one of the strongest magic wielders in the continent, and these guys are pulling out arrows. You don't think that they... Realize that regular arrows aren't gonna go through a magic force field. You know they they're, they they are. <laughs> yeah. They're on the same side as one of the best magic wielders in the continent. Of course they're gonna know that. And they were just arrogant, like, oh no, our our shields. Who are these idiots <laughs> trying to throw arrows at us for? Like these guys are stupid. And then they realize, oh wait, maybe we're fucking stupid. But yeah, no, just to talk about that initial face off was awesome. You had like all the all the major players in on both sides, kind of. You had Francesca, Philivandril, Frangilla. On one side, then you had Taseya, Artorias, Sabrina, like, like, like just like, uh, the good ones on the other. It was just really cool. It was a very big face off. It wasn't quite to the scale of when Endgame and all the people came through the portals or anything like that, but it was like a, a mini version of that, you know, a little smaller scale version of the final face off between Thanos and the Avengers. So that's what I thought about it. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, man, it was fucking cool. And I do have this quote in here from Taseya, and I want to ask you a question about it. Because you know how you know the elves were talking about you know the elder blood princesses our own like reclaiming Cirilla. Well, to just goes, you will never take your Atusa, and it kind of even shows like she still doesn't really give a fuck about Siri. There, what do you what do you think from that? Like, I know she's ready to defend her territory. Maybe it was just like she was just so focused on defending her territory. But to me, it's kind of like. She kind of still gives this vibe of like, Yin needs to get this this girl out of here. Like, she's not one of us.
0: I don't think it was anything meant as disrespect towards Syria. It's just I don't think that was to say his main concern. She's like, you want to go fucking chase down a child, you do it elsewhere, but you ain't taking over our castle, man. This is their Hogwarts, bro. Like you were saying, remember the yeah. Battle of Hogwarts when all the teachers were putting up them spells against the Death Eaters to keep them out of the school? This is that moment. She's like, I don't give a shit what you're doing. What you're not doing is you're not taking over this, uh, this fucking uh, force that we've got here, this whole... Uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the the headquarters of the mages. This is our town, and there's only room enough for one of us, and it ain't going to be you. So that's what I I took from that fucking speech that she gave there. Hell, yeah. It's like Home Alone, you know.
1: Macaulay Culkin was like, this is my house. I have to defend it. It was badass. So, yeah, man, and like you were saying, so the elves take out their arrows – Tissaia and the mages conjure this shield very similar to McGonagall in Harry Potter, you know, when she cast her Protego over everything. And uh, yeah, and then Kahir, fucking snake he is, <laughs> he uh, commands the archers to fire their arrows. And then they fire him at this force shield and realize that she called
0: him... Demeritium, how do you say it? Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Demeritium Aerotips. Yeah. It's the same thing as that they had on the shackles that they put on the mages, so <laughs> the mages couldn't use magic. They're basically uh, magic-resistant or magic-proof, so they can go through anything. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's Demeterium or something like that. I don't know the exact pronunciation, but that, that's the whole properties of this, of this uh, I don't know what if you want to call it, an element. You know, so Demeterium can stop and be used as a magic block and it can also, you know, basically magic does not affect Demeterium at all. And that's what the tips they yeah. use on those arrows.
1: And yeah, man, and then to talk about, wow, they really underestimated the elves because those fuckers just went right through, started to wipe the hell of mages. <laughs> you get wiped out by her. And great point, like, you're talking about elves that have used magic for centuries. You think they haven't thought about Oh, you're gonna conjure a magic shield going into a fucking magic school? <laughs> like, like, yeah, it was fucking crazy, man. And then Francesca, you know, tells Kahir, uh, tells Kahir to bring Siri to them while Teseya is commanding the mages to make the archers priority because they're getting fucking wiped out. And then Yen, now we're over here to Yen again, and she finds Siri and Cirilla tells Yennefer that she had a dream that Yen was dead and Geralt was gone, and then Yen tells Ciri uh, to follow her and that Geralt will find them. And as the battle is continuing, so Tissa shoots this a uh, spell at Francesca, and this is my what-the-fuck moment. Philip Vandrell <laughs> jumps in the way. I mean, of course he would but jumps in the way of like, no respect to my boy. He just explodes in a million pieces. It was like the Molly Weasley shooting over here at Bellatrix Lestrange. He just went into like a million pieces. Francesca's screaming and even worse, no respect is like blood and guts are all over her face. It looks like something from the horror film Carrie. I was like, what the fuck is going on, man? That came out of nowhere. Come on. I feel like every big sacrifice or big kill off we get in this show, I'm just like, where did that shit come
0: from? Thoughts, please. Thoughts, Jane Ellie? Yeah, it kind of sucks that his whole story comes to an end like that. We never got any final <laughs> good words or anything. We never really got to see Phil Evangel's potential in battle. All we've got is stories of how he led them to like safety with the remainder of the elves that were left after the first big battle. That, that happened prior to the series of events that we watched in The Witcher before Season 1, well before that. So, really, we never got much from Phil Evangel at all. We got that really <laughs> cool moment in Season 2 where... He stops Kahir from like bullying uh, one of the elves that are trying to, to learn how to like fight with a sword and and that. But outside of that, we don't really have a lot of cool stuff that happens. And I guess at the end of the day, that was gonna be. Uh, I just think there's so many better ways to kill him off. You know, we could <laughs> we could have utilized him somewhere at least had an important thing. But really, if you if you ask me. I don't think the series changes much if Phil Evangel just never written in, period. If he's ever appears or not, I I don't think it makes much of a difference with what they did with his character. All he did was create the elf child with Francesca that died anyways. So, like, what was his point? (laughs) What What was the point of Phil Evangel in The Witcher? I don't... I really don't know. But, yeah, to stay fucking through that... But That was another thing. So, you know how broken... And, and distraught to say it must have been to just automatically throw out one of the biggest most energy consuming killing curses or cur- killing spells <laughs> bro, right makes, right away right like she's so down, pissed bro. off that VilgoFort's we'll like like uh, betrayed her that these elves are coming they're waiting for like a regular old battle to go back and forth she's like nah fuck that You're, I'm just gonna go for the fucking throat here. Throws off that major killing spell and then he dives in front of it, and then boom, like you said, a million pieces, all the blood and guts all over Francesca's body. It's just, it was (laughs) fucking weird, man. I don't know how I felt about it.
1: Dude, and talk about like playing loose, man. Like, no respect for like, you know, like the other side at all. Like, usually, right? Like, if it's like the commander or queen or king, whatever it is. Like, you take that person hostage, you question them, take them prisoner. She went straight for, like, the exploding, killing blow. And we always say, like, you know, like, I don't believe it until you see the body. There was no
0: body. There was just guns dude. everywhere. Yeah, and, like, on the ground there was that chunk of flesh of his. Like, you saw a little <laughs> chunk of flesh just laying there. there as the camera panned to it. Yeah, dude, there was nothing left of that boy. He ain't coming back.
1: And great point too with like what's on the ground, because like to the point of his knife and shit is like laying there, which plays a big role in a minute. So then Artoris attempts to end Francesca, which, like we're saying, you know, because to say I didn't give a fuck. Like went straight for the killing blow here, uh, and sees she's vulnerable, and then Frangilla man comes out of nowhere. Conjures Phil Evandrel's knife like into the air that was lying next to his blood and guts, and then mage shoots it into Artorias's stomach, and then there you go. Now he's like bleeding out on the
0: ground. And I thought yeah. that was really cool too, because she's like, "Hello, uncle." That <laughs> just throws yeah, that fucking thing that at it. Awesome. She's like, "Hello, uncle." Though <laughs> I thought that was badass. What a crazy entrance for her uh, to to enter with that taking phil evangel's fallen weapon and burying it into the body cavity of her uncle while he's about to kill the leader of the elves so yeah man really interesting sequence of events there
1: yeah and actually a great point and actually you missed it just by a little she actually says goodbye uncle which is like even like worse because it's like well your ass is gonna die now bitch bitch you fuck bitch (laughs) anyway so but great point and um, then Tesea is like pulling out the knife from our Taurus's stomach as Frangilla is like trying to get a hold of herself. Uh, Frangilla is trying to get a hold of Francesca herself and is yelling at Francesca like, you got to fight. But Francesca is like freaking out. Looks like the scene in Carrie, blood everywhere. She doesn't know what to do. She's screaming. <laughs> And then Francesca looks at all the doors and uses their magic to close all the doors. So she's pissed, Francesca is, because Philip Andrewl just got exploded until millions of pieces. And then she conjures what looked like, explain what this was. This was like a fire ring from the sky that comes down. And talk about Mandalorian style, man. This fire ring falls down and Tissaia and Frangilla have to use magic to conjure shields just like Grogu did at the end of Mandalorian and this shit engulfs the whole atrium in fire what do you think about this moment
0: well the ring of of the the, the flaming ring in the sky was already there from last episode it was like it was signifying like the conclave of mages and everyone showing up there in, in in a circle of unity but uh, she did bring it down she brought that bitch yeah brought that down. yeah she brought that shit down to exactly. the ground and like you said, that caused a lot of destruction you know that, that was the whole thing was uh to say it was trying to protect eratusa this fortress and man that that ring uh, does, a, does a lot of damage just hits down some of the battlements the the building it, it crushes some parts into there and you know that was a powerful display of magic bringing that shit down to the ground for sure. I feel like they should have had Johnny Cash in the background saying, I fell
1: into a burning ring of fire. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, now we're over to Yen, right? And she tells Siri that they're almost at the stables. And then here Rience comes, <laughs> just appears, and he's like shooting fire at both of them. But we're really starting to see now Siri is becoming that Arya Stark. Like Reince, you know, he's given us some trouble even in this season, season two, definitely. And definitely in the beginning, uh, like first episode. Right. And Siri goes and attacks him, tries to take him on one on one and cuts off his fingers. He yeah, he's she's coming into her own here. And then speaking of rings of fire, Rien's <laughs> traps Siri into this ring of fire where she can't go anywhere. And Yennefer confronts him and says, you won't kill her. Your master wants her alive. And here's where we start to worry at this moment, because this motherfucker has gone rogue. He says, I have no master. Well, Yennefer uses her magic to throw the sword full circle moment that she got that Geralt relinquished to Dijkstra and set on the ground, throws it across... And, of course, Daddy happens to be behind Rience. Gil grabs his own sword, slices it through Rience's
0: head, and then the head falls from the body. That's the end of that motherfucker. Dude, that was one of the coolest choreographed sequences I've seen in a show in a very long time. Because not only did... We have a little quick one-on-one with Rience and Cyrilla. and Cyrilla like you said, held her own, cut off Rience's fingers, which is important for a mage, their hands are really where they conjure this magic from, and he ends up getting the better of her with the fire trap that he has, and it's not just a regular ring of fire, the, the flames are up around face level, it's a full circle around her, but like the flames are at a high level, and you know when Yennefer says you won't kill her because your master needs her alive, and he says he has no master, Before the one thing that I want to mention is, she pretended to surrender. She's, I'm gonna lay this weapon down. And as she goes to put the sword in the ground, she throws it horizontally right before it goes point in, and uses her magic to fly across the way. And it almost looked as if she missed. Rience, like as if she was aiming for him, but it missed because it went off to his side because he looked as the sword passed. Then, out of nowhere, you see Geralt's hands grab it, do a full spin, and slice his fucking head off. It was one of the coolest sequences I have ever seen in a battle. I thought that was dope. And then, you know, finally, full circle, they killed Rience, is what they were trying to set out to do since the second fucking episode of this season. And we finally, episode six here uh, Rience's head is removed from his body and he's no longer a threat.
1: Oh, uh, it was a fatality mortal combat style for the fire fucker. For fucking sure, man. What do you think though? Do you feel like they should have like confronted him finally like on this journey or what, do you think this was like the perfect time for him to show up? What do you think? I thought so too.
0: But. Yeah, it was the perfect time for him to show up cuz, you know, we've got too many other villains we got to worry about. We need to get rid of some of these guys. And this was yeah. the coolest coolest way for Rance to go out. You think he's got him trapped? You think he's got them you know in the palm of his hands he the if yennefer goes one-on-one with him he can just kill siri because he's got her trapped in the ring of fire there you know it's like it was a really good way to go about it we got to see siri face her fears a little bit because she's been running away from this mage for so long so we got to see that happen we got to see the mage still has a little bit uh, you know experience and gets a leg up on siri because of her lack of experience and her being young and then yennefer tr- trying to figure out okay well shit And I got to convince this guy not to kill her. But then, you know, we have, like you said, old Geralt lurking in the background just ready and willing because he said he's going to find them and sure as shit did. And, you know, like I said, all that to just have Geralt spin around, cut his head clean off. This is what was building up. We still got two more episodes after this where we got to deal with other shit. So this is the perfect time to end Reince and kill him off finally after it's been uh, a season and a half. So, yeah, I think this is the right way to do it.
1: I agree 100%. It was fucking awesome and it really made you wonder talk about full circle moment here. Remember when he burned up Finnick and that old guy in like
0: the Oh, Codringer the and finn Yeah, Codringer. and Codringer
1: Fenn. and finn Sorry, I think Finnick is Finnick is from Mandalorian. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Codringer and finn He like burned him up, so it really kind of made me wonder here like, wow, like like, what's going to happen here? Like, in a way, I thought, like, you know, Ciri's going to be okay, but it really kind of made me wonder. But, yeah, his ass is grass now. And then uh, Geralt tells Yen and Siri that Vilgefortz is behind it all, and Nilfgaard and the Skulltail how do you say it? Skotiel? Scoidle. Scoidle. Uh, they're searching for Siri and they have to get off the island. Um, then we cut back over to Tissaia, and she's, like pretty beat up at this moment like she's bruised she's burned and she's watching kahir this was fucking sick dude it wasn't very important but it was a cool part of the story kahir is like attacking two men and then they use magic to form their swords and it was like one dual sword it reminded me of like darth maul in star wars episode one what do you think of this fight describe this fight it was fucking badass
0: yeah, it was really interesting, because to your point, like they, they are two mages with this, they have their own swords, and they're fighting him, and Kyra's doing the best he can, you know, one against two is already tough, and then these guys add magic to the to the mix, and he's able to kind of outmaneuver them and outthink them to the point where, you know, it almost seems as if he's going to be able to make his way through it, then these guys all of a sudden do this whole magic trick or spell where they come together, and they smash their swords hilt to hilt, and all of a sudden it's a double-sided like badass sword and now they're double wielding it together and like swinging it at him and so it was just really really cool it's something unique uh like do i will say this episode had some of the best battle choreography that you could ask for you know it's not just a bunch of shit going down the the, the movements the dance so to speak of of the war it was beautiful and yeah dude i've never seen that before. It almost reminded me, I don't know if anyone's ever watched the show. It was a really old one but it was called Highlander. And one of the things he did at one point in time, he had like the, the one sword there and he fucking pulled his hands apart and all of a sudden there was two swords. It's fucking crazy. So I thought that this looks kind of badass where they had two swords and all of a sudden they smack the hills together and it's one sword and it's like the lightsaber like you mentioned. So yeah dude I thought it was badass as fuck.
1: I have to throw this real quick because it relates to the topic. Malice in the chalice for five minutes, man. Fuck yeah. Actually, I forgot to bring this up to you because they are remaking Highlander. And guess who is supposed to star in the role? Our fucking Henry Cavill is supposed to star in fucking Highlander, baby. And of course, it's not going to, you know, it's going to be a feature film. And I'm sure they'll make multiple ones, but it's not coming out for like at least a few years. And right now it just got greenlit. So everything's kind of being in talks. But what do you think of that? Wouldn't that be fucking badass to see our boy Geralt in the fucking
0: Highlander remake? Yeah, I mean, obviously any any sort of role that he's taken on in the fantasy realm has been successful. Well, obviously Superman, he was successful there. Geralt Wilde's successful here. You know, he's got brought on as Warhammer. We're going to see the level of success he gets there. And then on top of that, you add to the fact that he just got the cast in the role of, of the main character in Highlander. Dude, it's going to be sick. Obviously, it's all going to come down to how it's produced, how it's written and directed. But, uh, you know, just looking at it at a first glance on paper looks amazing. To me
1: right now, it sounds like Henry Cavill is winning and uh game of thrones and the witcher are dropping the fucking ball <laughs> is what it kind of sounds like what everyone else is foaming at the mouth and so i mean yeah man it's good stuff malice in the chalice off to the shadow realm i had to say it was perfect timing in the words of the highlander there can be only one <laughs> and i think that's perfect for who knows what the future of this series is <laughs> but anyways okay back to it so then we have Marty and Istrid. They are kicking ass, man. They are running through the castle, reminding me Hogwarts style. You know, as the Death Eaters are coming in, you got, you got the fucking, uh, you know, I, they don't call them mages at Hogwarts, but the wizard and wizard, what do you call them? Wizard and witches teachers, the professors, I guess, right? The professors are fucking taking out Death Eaters. It reminded me of that. And it was fucking awesome, and they meet up with Tris. To help the cause. And now we're going back over to Frangilla. So your girlfriend, Frangilla that's back, man. She tells Francesca that they have to fight together, you know, trying to still keep her up to speed after this whole ring of fire. She made it fall down because she's pissed. So she's trying to make sure she still looks at the objective and is not getting emotional here. Like to has been doing. And then the mages are helping Vilgaforce. As Eretuza is then burning, and um, so Vilgaforce is, sorry, Vilgaforce is watching Eretuza burn. And then they're asking, these people are asking Tissaia if they can help, which are the mages that were like traitors seen in a way. They were like, I guess in Tissaia's mind, that's what I'm trying to get at. I guess you can call them mages still, but they're kind of like traitors. Can you explain that for me?
0: Well, it's it's weird because I think there's traitors on a few sides here, right? With Vilgefortz bringing in Nilfgaard and the Elves. But technically, it's just the Elves right now. And Kahir, who is a human, and Fringilla, who is a mage. So there's that kind of betrayal. But also, Redania was already planning a coup as well. Redania already had the 50 people, so the mages who took Redania's side secretly are like, well, shit, Like, <laughs> we were not ready for this. So yeah, we might have had our differences and we wanted us to be in this position but since we're all kind of getting fucked up we're gonna need to like band together here so let's like we're we're going in and we're, we're helping you out yeah like it's, so, it's like like say, the enemy yeah. of my enemy is my friend type of deal
1: exactly yeah and she just like nods in agreement you can tell she can't even believe Bro, she's like she didn't like,
0: even like. really nod she just kind of like like turned her shoulder to the side to like allow them to enter the room like she's still like in full fucking shock of everything that's happening to say it hasn't said a fucking yeah. word like it was weird she's like it, all- it,
1: yeah Oh, sorry, I I interrupted you after you.
0: No, I I say she was just obviously, clearly still in shock and non-verbal not she hadn't said like one damn word since uh, she tried to convince Vilgefortz to not do this and that you know she was hoping this was all a bad dream and that it wasn't happening and you know basically realized that she was being used by him for the past two years or year and a half and she's and obviously that's probably led to why she just immediately went to a, a killing blow on one of the major elves but after, like after that like after that dialogue with Vilgefortz she didn't has not said a fucking word like, I mean, I, she did tell Artorius that uh, Francesca was vulnerable because Francesca was in a state of shock and Artorius was about to end her. But for the most part, you know, she hadn't said anything. And then when they come up to her and let, basically ask her to help, she didn't even say anything there. She looks at them and, like, turns her shoulder, and let them in. But she's not even being helpful. She's, like, almost looks like she's lost in a way. So it's just, just really crazy. Really powerful to see how much everything's affected her.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. This is where it gave me that moment of it's like, it's not to the extreme of the Bells with what my girl Danny did. But it definitely is kind of like she's acting out of emotion here. Like, she's so shocked about Vilgefort's betrayer, it's like she can't even comprehend her entire home, her entire background, everything she's known is about to come to a halt. So, 100%. But, um, you know, so then Triss and Istrid are attempting to help a mage that's dying. And Triss is telling Tissaia that it's not over and they'll keep fighting. And it's almost like, yeah, she doesn't even acknowledge that. She's like, let it burn. It remind, you know what it reminded me of? In Lord of the Rings, what was his fucking name that threw himself off of the... In the movie, he threw himself off the castle. But he, like, tried to burn himself with um with Borm He oh, tried to burn himself. Uh, with Dinathor, Firamir.
0: Dinathor. Dinathor. It reminded
1: me of like Dinathor is like, watch it burn. Burn it all. Burn it all. It reminded me of that, man. And so, um then uh but Triss is reminding her they'll keep fighting and Desaia just looks at her as Triss is then struck with an arrow. And then fucking Taseya just walks off. <laughs> it's like Istrid's having to like take care of her. Like doesn't even phase say at all. Like we're fucked, man. We're all fucked. We're all fucked. And then yeah, Triss has like this arrow in her, and Istrid is freaking out. He pulls out the arrow of Triss and is telling her. You know, like, I, I need you. Like, you can tell they've definitely got something going on. I think there's definitely a spark there in the future. And uh, she tells him to get to the Book of Monoliths and to make sure it doesn't get in the wrong hands. And Marty is comforting Triss, and Istrid just keeps saying, you're going to be okay. Like, you're going to be okay. I need you just telling her, you know, just hang in there, right? And to Tissaia... Back to her, big shit's going down, man. She's like watching in tears as she walks up to the top of the castle on the balcony. Very Danny uh, Astapor vibes we got going on as Astapor burns to the ground. But uh, what do you think about that?
0: I keep getting Game of Thrones here. Getting yeah, I thought Thron-y. it was cool. She just like stood over the battlements and saw everything burning and just kind of looking in the distance and yeah you figure out that she well i mean she figures out that she's gonna need to do something pretty drastic to get this uh this thing under control this whole storming of the castle
1: yeah or if you've ever seen um uh you know one of our favorite shows you talked about here before favorite movies here is troy i mean it's not exactly fantasy because it's like historical but it gave me vibes of uh What was the King of Troy where he's, like, looking over the balcony and he was, like, telling them basically they're all hooligans or whatever as it burned to the ground?
0: (laughs) I can't remember
1: his name. Uh, It was, like, King whatever. Remember he, like, uh, he, he went to go get Hector's body. I can't remember his name. Anyways, I'll just call him King of Troy because, like, in the Troy movie, he was, like, saying oh yeah you're all villains and then you know we know what happens with him he didn't make it too far but it kind of reminded me of that like she's just standing there watching her burn in tears but then as it's burning she kneels down and begins speaking elder, speaking elvish so and we see this lightning that begins to illuminate in her hands so we know shit's shit's about to happen here all gloves are off all gloves are off shit's going down you know it's the bells part two minus the children is what i would say (laughs) so now we're back over to geralt and he's asking yennefer what's wrong and yennefer says referring to Taseya, she's summoning alzer's thunder i would love to do might do an interesting facts on tiktok sometime like try to figure out like how you
0: summon Alzers thunder Reminds remind me knows. of the old spirit bomb man you gotta get you had to go ahead and gain energy from everything around you so think that air Tusa with all the power was being held from the eels that they have for the people who didn't cut the cut the, to be able to make the cut i should say you know, she's just uh, taking all the power from out of the castle, everything that's ever been in there, and she's just drawing power from the castle, similar to how Goku would like draw power from the spirits of those uh, Earth civilians. And you know, we're gonna get something big out of this. Hell yeah, man! It was awesome.
1: And then, uh, and to your point, you know, Yen even says <clears throat> it's a spell of last resort, so you know, like shit's really going down at this point. And Siri. Uh, tells Yennefer to go to her and they'll be alright and Geralt at this point you know he really kind of looks from an outside perspective versus just emotion he's like no and Siri says she has no choice I understand what she means to you but to know she suffers she fights that she may die and is talking to Yen and Geralt (laughs) is against that shit Fuck that. You're just going to let her die like everything else. And that's the way it should be. Say your goodbyes from afar and say your prayers. <laughs> the girl says, we didn't come this day to abandon each other. <laughs> like, we come too far for you to pull this shit. Then <laughs> Ian says, looks at Siri and goes, you know, you can really tell they've grown. And she goes, uh, then don't abandon me but i have to do this i've searched for so long fought so long hurt so many and it was all worth it no matter where you go where you hide we will never be apart destiny brought us together never lost always found i love you my daughter and wow that's a powerful statement to show how far they come from the person that technically fucking kidnapped her so that's interesting. But yeah, it's man, they've really grown. And then Geralt even says, like, come back to us, realize she has to go, and Yen leaves. Um, so then, at this point, while being attacked by guards and mages, Kahir discovers Frangilla is alive. Because, you know, they really haven't seen each other. So that's a full circle moment there. And then Francesca is commanding Kahir to go search for Siri. And uh, says, take your party and go. But Saya's life is mine. So now we got a feud because someone exploded someone into a million
0: fucking pieces.
1: <laughs> so now we got a problem. Uh, talk, that's the battle for the fucking ages, man. You got like arguably the top mage in all of the land against arguably like the top elf. That's fucking sick. Uh, and then Tissaia continues to chant the spell of Alzeer's Thunder to summon it. And lightning strikes the tower. This is fucking sick. Gave me Harry Potter vibes, man. The Astronomy Tower. That's what it gave me. And uh, lightning illuminates the tower. And Tissaia is screaming. And it's all... And she begins to, like, just... Oh, I called it Raiden from Mortal Kombat style. Summons the lightning, shoots it down on everybody, and everyone's just electrifies Mortal Kombat fatality. She's just, and light them up, 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 they're on fire. It was badass. They were fucking dying, man. And then we're back over to eastrid He's found the Book of Monoliths, uh, and it's, but. As he finds it, he's stopped by Vilgaforce, and Vilgaforce says, Thank you for the book. I'll see you soon. And pushes Istrid through a portal that he summons. So, see ya, Istrid. Vilgaforce has been playing chess the whole time, baby. And now we're back over to the big bitch of the North, the Deekstra, <laughs> the Deekstra. <laughs> so he's like struggling in pain. The snake of the North, we will say he's struggling in pain as like mages are walking up to him. And this one mage is like, takes out a knife and is like taunting him a bit. But before he stabs him, the owl arrives full circle Talk about it, kind of gave me Phoenix vibes. Fox the Phoenix from Chamber of Secrets. The owl comes down, claws out his eyes. Yeah, and that's basically what happens. And then, uh, question I guess I got this right. I want to make sure I get it right. The owl turns into Philippa, right? And was the owl like
0: Philippa the whole time, or was it just being commanded? What did you think? Uh, I thought the owl just left and then Philippa came in where the owl came out. I don't think that Philippa was okay, the I, owl. I couldn't really tell because it was like so quick
1: Anyways, yeah, so the owl leaves. I was thinking it was the owl the whole time. I was just making sure I wasn't missing something in this whole series. I just don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't know what the benefit would be for Philippa to be an owl in that sequence and not just herself and walk in the room and just fuck him up with her magic. You know what I mean? I didn't understand (laughs) either. That's why I was making sure I didn't. Maybe there was something I'd miss the whole time. So, yeah,
1: so the owl, that was basically the whole point of the owl. It claws its (laughs) eyes out and then Philippa's there okay so and uh then at this point she rescues deekstra and we're back over to kahir and kahir arrives for siri and this is a badass scene yeah they're on the edge of the cliff here definitely gave me some uh you know harry potter you're six near the cave vibes kind of thing but we're near azkaban and siri is you know from all these full circle moments it's just like he's mine And Geralt gives her the reins here and says, you know, there's no coming back from this. And we're going to see again, once again, how she's coming to her own. And Ciri says, back to what? To my home he burned? To my family he killed? He's haunted my nightmares ever since, but I'm not afraid of him anymore. And then she lunges at Kahir, taking him on -on one-on-one. And Kahir even says, like, princess, I've dreamt of this moment. And Siri is still just like rushing at him and she's slashed him like 12 times. Even one time grazes his chest plate. I mean, he's not fighting back at all. And he takes his sword and stabs it in the ground. And, uh, Ciri like demands he pick up the sword and fight her and holds her sword to his throat on the edge of the cliff, by the way, holy shit. And Kier says, in the attack in Sintra, when i took you i did everything i was asked with no hesitation but now i can't stop asking questions i've discovered i was wrong i can't give you back the life i stole my life is yours so take it and then siri you know in tears she's like you took everything from me gear says i know take this blade and let this face be the last one i see in this world and Princess Arilla, Princess the lion cub of Sintra, she who has the power to move the world. I owe you that. Do it and forgive me. Forgive me. And then, of course, the Skoia, however you say it, they arrive on horses and everything stops. And Kahir uh, basically tells Siri to go while he's going to defend him off. And Kahir says, I will find you. So, question about this Has Kahir turned a new leaf?
0: Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, and this is interesting because it's almost like we're doing a flip-flop with Vilgefortz and Cahir and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit it's just it's one of those things where out of for what reason and there was no big cataclysmic event that Kahir witnessed that made him like you know think about what he was doing you know they had a, he had a small conversation about uh, Fringilla, Fringilla saying, you know, when you think for yourself, Kahir, you know, crazy things can happen kind of deal. And I know that wasn't a direct quote, just kind of paraphrasing. But really not a big moment happened to where Kahir would have, like what I would have assumed been like, oh shit, I meant on the wrong side this whole time. just it's that small little like convo. And it was not even like a real conversation. It was almost like a just quick dialogue more than anything between Fringilla and himself to all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to abandon my whole character arc up into this point and just go switch sides because of that. I don't know. I felt like that was kind of silly. It kind of rushed in, and and um, just not done well at all. But, yeah, to answer your question directly, I think he turned a new leaf.
1: Yeah, and that's what threw me off, too. I was like, I don't know. Like, is he, like, playing the system? Did he have, like, a part to a role... We all have a role to, I believe you have a role to play. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I thought it was sloppy mess, of course. So then Yin is making her way to Iratusa, forcing herself through with magic to get to Tesea up at the top say is electrifying everybody so much that her hair's turned blonde. She doesn't give a fuck. Bro, it turned white like a grandmother.
0: Like guess she's aging. So oh, she's yeah. Like, she, I thought it was, like,
1: blondish or something. Yeah, bro. But yeah, was, she she, she like, ain't
0: no fucking Super Saiyan. She was, like, she was using all of her energy <laughs> and, like, aging herself because she's expending so much power that she almost didn't have anything left. I mean, you, you get to see it in just a little bit. But, yeah, it was turning her hair white like, and, like you know, she was just, like, dying almost. She, like,
1: took out that whole fucking army. Pretty much herself, by the way. That shit was fucking awesome. But, um... And then Francesca, uh... Like, looks at her group and just says, like, let's end this. And then all the mages attempt to make one last stand to save Eratuza And Francesca then faces Marty, Triss, and the other mages and says, stand back or die. And then Francesca shoots a spell at y- a spell at the mages that are there and who saves the day Yennefer jumps in the way and then saves them with this magic shield and then of course wow full circle moment the guy we thought was the villain the whole time Stragabor, appears behind them with fire conjured in his hands and we were talking about last episode rules of magic remember this is against mage rule and they were like he's he's tapped into fire magic and this was fucking sick he says go to hell you fucking mongrels i'll show you the way <laughs> it was fucking sick and he lets them get away while he goes to handle these elves shoots the fire fire goes all throughout like this whole like layer atrium looks like the map room in game of thrones it was fucking sick and uh, then Yen tells Triss to go find Geralt while she goes to Tissaia. And as Geralt and Siri are attempting to get this wooden boat on their course, shit's going down. Right when you thought it couldn't get any crazier, man. So Geralt's medallion starts shimmering like it does, which we've seen in seasons past. And he just looks at Siri and tells her, siri go and she's saying i'm not leaving you i can help you and Geralt says never lost always found go and you know shit's serious at that point so siri leaves and then as he keeps walking Geralt does so outside of erotusa by like these cargo ships as he's walking through this like cargo tunnel Geralt encounters vilga force holy shit Vilgefortz vs. Geralt holy shit man and the Vilgefortz says so we have an epilogue then the Daemon Mall that draws the play to a close and he conjures this black mage staff and this thing is sick man I, I think someone watched Star Wars episode 1 before they wrote this episode because this was fucking sick dude he said, or is it fate you know where she's going to tour lara and there is no way out it's all over and then Geralt throws down his belt as he's walking forward it's like two motherfucking beasts two champions going into a boxing ring gloves are off and girl says no way no way out i'm glad to hear it but that means there's only one way in and you'll never reach it and vilgevord says you're a wise man Geralt." A lot like me, a warrior, t- a warrior touched by magic alone in a world he never made. Geralt said, enough with your parallels. You lack originality. Even more so with Amir pulling your strings. Wow, dirty shot. Vilgeford says, I have no strings. Nilfgaard will get what it wants, as I will. You may consider me your opponent, but it is you who is the enemy of good today, Geralt. I grow tired of asking, and Geralt said, and I grow tired of answering. I will not be your partner. I will not join your fight. And Vilgefort says, arrogance will be your undoing. And Geralt said, and steel will be yours. And they just lunge at each other. Fucking sick. Oh, my gosh. It's a cheesy line, but it's fucking badass. And they just go at each other. And Geralt and Vilgefortz are going blow for blow back and forth. I count it. You know, I always got to count 28 times. They're like slashing and defending. And this was cool because Vilgefortz, his staff disappears and reappears as he's deflecting and attacking blows going on offense and defense. Geralt conjures this magic push, shoving Vilgefortz back. But Vilgefortz grabs it and throws Geralt back knocking him down outside by where the beach is. This is just wild. Yeah, never expected voice to be this powerful. So then we see Ceres making her way up to Aratusa, and you see lightning continues to strike the castle and Yin gets to Sisea and she Tesea is running out of lightning at this point. And below, you can see Stregobor just ignited the whole area in fire. And then Geralt and Vilgefort, Vilgefort approaches, and they collide on the beach again. Vilgefort shoves Geralt back and attacks him with his staff and stabs Geralt in the stomach. And Vilgefort says, I could smash your brain out through your ears and Geralt, with all his strength lunges forward pulls out the staff but then vilgefort strikes him in the side and says make a friend of this pain girl to rivia today you begin your new life as my warning to the contingent and vilgefort strikes Geralt in the leg leaving him with an open wound and then Geralt tries to lunge forward to deflect the next blow, but his sword shatters into pieces. And even with that, he tries to block the next move of Vilgefort's with the hill to the blade. And as he's attempting to block another attack, Vilgefort strikes him in the back and Geralt's on the ground. And Vilgefort says, this was supposed to be a lesson, but you are mistaken, Witcher. You mistook the stars reflected on a pond at the night for the sky. I shall see you later, one day perhaps. And Vilgefortz just walks away as Geralt is on the beach. You can see, like tears is in his eyes because he's like he's done everything he could. This was no contest, and I think this was really a reality check for Geralt because never have we ever seen him just get his ass handed to him and uh, Vilgefortz walks away on the beach. I want to get your take on this. I know this is taking a while, but this is a big match, and I think this is the only time we've ever seen Geralt just get his ass handed to him. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was cool to have it all come together for them to battle each other. It's just, it seemed almost early. I would have liked to almost see this at the end, unless something even bigger is going to happen in episode 8 with, like, a, another... Because, like, I don't ever like to see the good guy defeated unless I'm left with that feeling yeah. until the next season comes or, or, like, the closeout of something. So, I thought it was cool. And, I, yeah, it, it was, it, you think about it, and I, what I really enjoyed, too, is, is the choreography, I guess I mentioned before, the choreography of the battle scenes were really great. And you mentioned it as well with the staff and how you hit it, and every time it would, like, make contact, it would disappear and reappear. It was, like... He was throwing the staff into his hands with magic it was disappearing reappearing and like you didn't know where it was coming from it was super unique i've actually never seen that before and i thought that was really cool and uh, it, yeah at the end it just it was just too much the 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 skill and battle of hand-to-hand combat vocal force mix, mixed with his magic was just was just too much and on top of that you know who knows how long They've been playing this. Like Geralt, kind of just got thrown into the, the mix here, and he's just trying to keep Siri safe. Logo Force is trying to recruit Geralt to their side, and you know, it just didn't end up going that way. And that whole battle, like you said, it wasn't really much of a battle. It, you, you know, Geralt did what he could. It wasn't a whole lot. You know, I don't. I don't even know if I. If I recall correctly, I don't think Geralt actually made contact with Vilgoforts at all. Like Not like a punch, not yeah. like a push, not like a kick, nothing. I don't think he actually uh, damaged or, in, or made a c- uh, connection with Vilgelforts at one time with anything. Not his fist, not his hand, not his like, kick, not, like, nothing. Like I said, I think it was just he was doing a good job of staying in the fight by not taking too much damage until it was just too much and it overwhelmed him. And yeah, it was really interesting to see uh, that Geralt would just be completely outclassed like that.
1: I mean, it it really was. I mean, ironically, these two people got overthrown because they got over-cocky. But Oberon Martell and Sirius Black, it was like that before they got overtaken. <laughs> Only you know, Vilgefort's thing get cocky. It was literally, he was just toying with him at that point, And we've never seen that before. And I think that's why it's so impactful. You finally realize you know going back to star wars episode one there's always a bigger fish is what qui-gon jed said so it's wild but um so then siri she in the castle gets to this what we've seen it before it's like this red stone with the writing and she can hear voices and all kinds of shit in that what what would you call that that stone she finally makes her way to in the castle
0: I don't know and I was looking at that too and I don't know if it's just that my screen was dark I couldn't really figure out what it was through the picture I don't know if it was a statue of sorts or if it's just like a a mass of something I really couldn't figure out what it was but to your point she seems to be able to understand it in a way that no one has been able to understand it and that's going to kind of build into what's about to happen here but to answer your question directly I don't have an answer of what that object is I I don't know
1: yeah and at this point, so she's hearing voices from it, and Vilgaforce. I don't know if he teleported his way up there. <laughs> like, I guess he used a portal. I, Whatever, call it a plow. He's there, even though he was just on the beach, which is, like, a whole mile away, but whatever. He's there, like, shouting at Sirius and says, What are you doing? You don't know what you're playing with, Cirilla. You're not ready. You're not ready for this kind of power, but together... We can change, and he's like trying to even offer to take Cyrilla under his wing, which wouldn't trust that for two fucking seconds. but yeah, and and then Siri causes this stone statue thing to explode, and the blast uh, it pushes Vilgaforce back. We don't know how injured he is and explodes the top of the tower and it collapses. The entire Eratusa Tower into rubble. It reminded me of, like, season six of Game of Thrones when, like, the uh, the septum of the, what do you call it? The septum tower, tower the religious the tower Balor. in Game of Thrones. Septa baylor collapsed. Yeah, you know, it falls into the ocean. And uh, then we're seeing Geralt in the water. Uh, from underneath and he's bleeding out on the beach and Triss has arrived to help try to help him recover and bring him back. And Francesca, then we're seeing her and the elves as they're searching for Siri, and she's nowhere to be found. And then we're watching from the beach, Yennefer is holding say, which like you said, like her hair is like gray. She's like wiped out exhausted and burnt up and bruised along with other mages and they're watching as their home their tower has literally collapsed into nothing but like a black stick just standing there and everything's collapsed into the water and their home is now entire nothingness and that's how the episodes ends episode ends man what's your takeaways
0: yeah my takeaways are there's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff the good stuff to start off with it is that it was a very intense episode from the start to the finish uh, there was non-stop battle nonstop cool uh, scenes that you know we don't get to see that often it, it was a what a 46 minute episode give or take and it was just battles from the very beginning and it was a it was a combination of like the same battle between the mages and the elves, and then separate battles along the way. Geralt and Rience, and then Yennefer comes back, helps the mages out against Francesca. Then we got Vilgaforce and Geralt. We got you know it just to it, say against the whole of the elves. It just was really cool to see multiple battles and a nonstop fighting the entire time to to defend Eratusa. All to all for it to be for nothing, anyways, as the thing crumbles towards the end. And that kind of leaves us with some questions here of. Where did Siri go? When he saw when that thing blasted, it looked like it took Vilgefortz out, but obviously we never assume anyone's gone until we see the body on that end, and we don't really know what happened there, uh, but there's also other stuff that annoys me, because like you mentioned, uh, Yennefer told Triss to go find Geralt, and it took Triss till the end of the fucking episode to find Geralt, but as soon as Vilgefortz beat Geralt in that, all of a sudden he was right behind Siri who was already running away, like... I don't understand that you gotta be consistent. Like, if everyone's gonna get somewhere (laughs) fast, everyone's gotta get there fast. You can't have, like, some people taking half the episode to get there, and then half the time the other people are just appearing behind everyone. And at the end of that, too, same thing with Kahir. Where the hell did that guy come from? He was just automatically there with uh, Siri and Geralt when he was next to the. Like the elves, I know they told him to go find Siri, but you know, he just finds them. Yeah, there was no trail of where they would be. They'd already exited the castle, but he just kind of bumped into him out uh, of the clear fucking blue sky. And then he has this change of heart and he goes back and goes to fight. Four of the Scoidle on horses, and like we never get any any uh, sort of resolution to that. So, did Kahir just die right there? Probably not. It seems like an important guy who just turned the corner and is going to join the guys. But how did this one dude just fight off four elven mages? I don't know. You know, we'll get to see that. I guess maybe that's something we'll see in the next coming episodes. You know, maybe we'll get some sort of crazy thing that happened that allowed Kahir to survive, or maybe they're going to try to convince us Kahir is that skilled that he took out four elven mages. I don't know. There was just like there was like I said a lot of good and a lot of like what the hell is this all at the same time. So my my takeaways were uh, overall very entertaining episode will keep you captivated from beginning to end. But when you start looking at things a little deeper and paying attention to stuff that doesn't really make sense, there's a few things that pop out that are like hmm that's weird. You know and then just for Dijkstra and Philippa to make it quick you know they were the whole big one of the biggest problems in Roania and obviously now that we realize that Roania is not going to be able to help but they just kind of duck out and make their way out of there without any sort of trouble or again caught along the way. But somehow everyone knows where Siri is, who has not even entered Eratusa at that point. She was in the fields, but they were able to find her. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just some shit that just don't make a whole lot of sense. So that's the thing that bothers me is that, yeah, you can have a really cool episode and really keep my attention. But if I find a bunch of shit that doesn't make sense, it's, it's going to bother me a little bit. So I would honestly probably put this on par in totality with last week's episode, I'd probably give it the same, probably an 8.4 out of 10 of middle B. Uh, the action was way better, but the the storyline didn't really add up in, in a few different places. Uh, yeah, so that was my takeaways on it. What about yours?
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It was sloppy, man. Like, it was sl- the action was fucking sick, though. Like I I'll admit, like, the, even the cheesy lines... Like, they kind of reminded me of, like, Power Ranger lines. Like, you know, they have, like, the cheesy, like, oh, like, well... Uh, have a nice trip see you next fall and it's like they're tripping them and they're falling down at the same time there was like that cliche like action line like oh meet this with steel of the blade but I I dug it man I thought that shit was fucking cool <laughs> but uh the so the action was fucking awesome like I, I thought the battle with Vilgaforts was sick to say a lighten up the sky with electricity i thought that was fucking unique and cool it wasn't just like fire magic again and i did like kind of the full circle of strega coming to help the group when really he you know they thought he was behind it and really he wasn't he was on like the good guy's side the whole time um I guess I kind of like the full circle of the owl. I kind of even thought, like, what the fuck was the point of this, honestly? Like, I mean, you could have just had someone else come in there and save him. But, no, all right, whatever. I I think it was cool just to have that in there. But what I'll say is uh, it was very sloppy. Like, it, it really was. There's no way to get over that. And what makes me very irritated is the first two episodes of this season. It's like you had amazing action. The first episode was a banger in action. Even the second episode was pretty good with action. And the storyline and plot, like you really couldn't pick out a whole lot of things where they were leaving out details or just like leaving things where it was um, you know, kind of, like, unexplained in a way. Like, why did you make this decision? And the transitions were bad. Now we're, like, rushing things. People are teleporting. Biggest problem with this episode, I don't understand the fucking Kahir thing. I could understand if he was, like trying to convince her to side with amir as she's like attacking him and he's like kind of fighting back but really his goal is to get her to work with amir because he's been doing that but what the fuck somehow you decided to turn over a new leaf as you were riding on your horse so like the whole time you wanted to get on amir's side to get on the elf's side Really, just to get into Eratusa to find Siri? At that point, why didn't you just go search for Cirilla, your fucking self? Like I, that makes no sense to me. I'm I I can't even let that slide. That that's fucking dumb. That was the dumbest shit I've ever fucking seen. Uh, I do like that Siri killed, like held her own against riens and cut off his fingers. That was fucking sick. Watching girl go haymaker slice on that motherfucker like that was cool i uh, so the action was great i love how they tried to full circle piece everything in i thought it was a really cool flip of the switch with Vilga force but yeah man like some things are just unforgivable like i can't forgive that so because of that you know i'm always generous eight can't even give it, like, an 8-7. I wanted to give it an 8-7 just because, like, the action was so fucking cool, man, and unique with the choreography. No. 8-5. I'm going to 8-5, and that's being generous. You should be happy I'm giving that to you. But And uh, right before we get into our debates, I want to ask you a question. Are they, like—we're starting to see a little bit of what we've heard, which— I think it's being overly critical to say, like, it's just like a disaster and like the writers getting give a fuck because like it's they've come up with some cool things, I would say, and some cool twists and turns. But why do you think it is that all of a sudden after like three episodes in, they decided to get sloppy on all these different things? What do you think?
0: I don't know. I feel like we, uh, we have a variation of the same conversation for every episode of The Witcher. It's easy to yeah. say that, like, hey, they're potentially coming to an end at the end of season three. Everything's going to change heavily in season four. They have a season four, so they've got to move some things along into certain ways that n- normally wouldn't have. So maybe they're rushing it. So it's just like, I just don't know how many more ways we can really say that things are obviously going to be changing in a big way. Either, you know, concluding the series or, you know, changing major characters and probably having to adjust the plot that you initially had planned. So that's probably what I would say. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, man. What debates do you
1: have for the day?
0: Yeah, so this one is something that really bothers me because, like, both these guys did a whole 180 on their character turns here. So my question is, like, was Vilgefortz bad from the beginning? Was he even... Remember for the Battle of Sodden, he was fighting on the mage's side. Do you think he really was on the mage's side then? Or he was still secretly in Nilfgaard's pocket? Or has he more recently been convinced by Nilfgaard that they are the way to go and they have the most powerful army and that he should align with them? So I guess my question is, was this from the very beginning? He's always been doing this on the low and we didn't know? Or is this a recent switch of character for Vilgefortz? And I'll bring in Kahir in a little bit to explain why I said both of them.
1: My personal opinion which this is just my personal opinion so I don't have any evidence like backing this I'm in my head canon going to say he was doing this from the beginning because that's a long my argument would be that's a long drawn out fucking plot especially getting to say kind of in you know on your playing field and then finding like the book of monoliths Um, and, you know, going with Nilfgaard and, like, kidnapping all these girls. That's a long fucking plot for just, like, deciding randomly I'm flipping the switch and going with Nilfgaard. I guess this goes back into season one, which we really didn't have, like, a whole lot of evidence to support that from season one but my thoughts are this was a long drawn out plan and that's why you know for instance you know it he did all these things to gain people's trust so i guess he's always been on that side of the fence in my opinion what about you
0: i I, yeah i would like to think that or at least make it because that would make the whole thing make a little more sense but my evidence against that, and why I think it has to be something kind of recent, if you remember, in season one, he had a full-out like sword battle fight almost to the death with Kahir, like him and Kahir. Were, I literally was just watching this not too long ago, it was season one, episode eight, and for the battle of Sodden. Kahir and Vilgefortz were fighting one-on-one hand-to-hand against each other trying to take each other out. And Vilge- remember that was when Vilgefortz kept having to like replenish his sword because it kept getting knocked out of his hand and he kept using his magic to bring new swords out of nowhere and keep fighting back and eventually Kahir knocked like, the, the very last bit of it out of it and then booted his ass off the fucking cliff. So it's gotta be something new because where did Vilgefortz get these new powers and new fighting ability? Because Kahir whooped his ass one-on-one. And I'm sorry, Kahir's not fighting Geralt and whooping Geralt's ass like that. And Vilgefortz destroyed Geralt like it wasn't even close he was breaking bones smashed his leg like he said his whole femur cracked like his whole thing was broken you know there's no way in hell here's doing that to Geralt so this has to be somewhat new since Kahir beat on 101 fairly easily. It's almost like Vilgefortz wasn't even a match for Kahir back in Season 1. So he's either gained some new powers or maybe that was part of the deal with, like, with Nilfgaard. Maybe he'd gain some new information and new abilities if he aligned with Nilfgaard. So for me, as much as I like to think it was part of the plot the whole way... It seems like something they just switched up out of the clear blue sky to realize they've got to go in a different direction moving forward in the series. You know, that's like my evidence on that. It's just, dude, we already saw him fight against who was supposed to be on the same side, right? Kahir's fighting for Nilfgaard, so why the fuck are you going to fight against him one-on-one? Even if you were like secretly trying to pretend you are on the mage's side, but you really weren't. You're not going to have a fucking one-on-one sword battle in the trees around no one else. It's just YouTube. It really is a, a, a whole setup, you know? And, you, and you're technically on the same side the whole time. Like, no, absolutely not. So this has to be something somewhat recently. And on top of that, just his abilities between then and now are just... The night and day different, he couldn't hold a candle to Kahir, and now all of a sudden he's beating gerald without even trying. Like, <laughs> no, dude. So, something's weird here, man. I want to get your thoughts on that.
1: You drive a good point, man. I never really thought about it in that much detail. Yeah, it's because the only thing I could think of is with that battle with Kahir, is you can say, well, maybe he didn't want to reveal his true power because he doesn't truly trust Kahir, because how Amir didn't really trust Kahir and he made him go kill Galliant would be my only evidence for that. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like you don't really have a whole fucking sword battle unless I guess like he was like toying with him. But yeah, it just, you, you drive really your point. You're starting to convince me that this is just something we decided to pull out of our ass, which goes back into last week. Maybe he really wanted to do the race of Moronk and we're like, nah, this would be cool. I don't know, man. And and that was crazy. Like, it was no contest. Like, he was making that staff appear and disappear. I counted it. twenty. It was like 26 times he landed blows on Geralt. Like, just toying with the guy. And that conversation dialogue I had, I spaced it out. So, it was like after the blows I was saying. Remember, he was like talking to him as he was whooping his ass. So... Clearly, something has happened here, which I want to know who's behind that. Like, who taught him that? That's the bad guy. Otherwise, damn, man. Like, I mean, it was cool, but, like, what? (laughs) It's kind of just like say what
0: (laughs) like
1: i don't know man i I think he convinced me i guess this is like something they just made up on the fly because i was thinking like maybe he did plan this all along because that's such a long plan but you got a good point like those are bro like he would give to say a run for her money like he was toying with the man
0: yeah and then on top of that, you're going to flip Kahir's side, too. Kahir was the number one bad guy before Amir made his appearance, and now all of a sudden Kahir's going turn a new leaf because someone said six words to him. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you flip the two guys. Now Kahir's on the good guy team and Villagor's on the bad guy team, where in Season 1 it was the exact opposite. And almost their abilities are the exact opposite, too. Because now all of a sudden Kahir forgot how to sword fight because he almost got killed by that one b- b- guy that Gallatin helped him <laughs> out against. Then almost he almost got killed in that fucking forest, and Gallatin helped him out by stabbing the dude throughout the back of the neck, and then he just got disarmed by Cirilla, but yeah, he wasn't really fighting Cirilla back, but you know, it's, it's, like, it's almost like he lost his ability to fight, and Vilgoforts figured out how to fight. I don't know, dude, because like, that, like I said, people gotta go back and watch that. Season 1, episode 8, Ford's fighting Kahir. Kahir nonstop kept knocking the sword out of Vilgefortz's hand and whooping his ass, <laughs> and, had, and that was basically a no contest, and a booting him off the side of the fucking like ledge there. So yeah, man. I don't know. There's some weird shit going on with that. But uh, yeah, dude. I don't know if you want to add anything to that before you go into your debates.
1: Yeah, to further support your point, uh, it almost this episode almost made it seem that Siri could have kicked Kahir's C- ass. So like, what? <laughs> what? Like you you now making a point that like, oh, Siri's ready to take on Gear one on one and kick his ass. But yet, the guy that whipped Vilgafort's ass, now Vilgafort's like no contest taking out Geralt? What the fuck?
0: Oh, like <laughs> the math doesn't math. That, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> they just
1: did two plus two equals a million and seven. <laughs> what? I don't know, bro, that's fucking weird. I cause I didn't think about it that in detail until you said that and yeah, that's just like makes no fucking sense. Someone got in intr- con- you know, clearly uh you know <laughs> like you're talking about like I don't even know how to say it. That's like someone tapped into their Medical count and <laughs> it was like through the roof or something. I don't know, man. Uh, You want me to go with my debate
0: for the day? Yeah, dive into it. What you got?
1: So I don't want to harp on this too much because we kind of like went into it. My debate for the day, I got two. First one is, do you think Geralt was shocked because this is the first time Geralt truly got dominated and defeated in a battle. Do you think this was a shocker and a step back for Geralt, which is where, you know, he kind of, in my opinion, saw himself on the beach. Like, I think he was truly emotional on the beach because he's like the first time, like he actually thought like, wow, I, I might lose. Like, like Siri might get taken here. Like, this is a guy I, I truly could not beat." like, you saw how he did everything he could to try to fight back like he was beaten to hell and he was still trying to keep going do you think this was a shock for him that this was the first time he just got owned
0: yeah i mean we've seen him bested a few times but not like to this level where it wasn't even competitive right like i said i don't i don't think if one we back can watch that that girl even landed a single glancing blow on vocal at all it was more so he was swinging at him and trying to. Vilgoforts was very easily defending. And then, when Vilgoforts would attack back, it was just you know, it wasn't close. So I think I think he was is shocked at the level. I don't think he expected Vilgoforts to be that strong of an opponent. I think he really anticipated that maybe the magic could give Vilgax an edge in certain aspects, but. Taking, even taking the magic out of it, just his ability in hand-to-hand combat seemed to really be superior to what Garrett was able to do in that moment against him. And I do think that it, it, did, it did surprise him and it, it really woke him up to the fact that, like, shit, this is worse than I thought. Like, everything, like, the, you know, it might end up getting to the point where, you know, how he's been trying to stay neutral this whole time. I end up actually having to take a side to to figure out how they're going to overcome this because, obviously, brute strength isn't going to get it done based on that battle we just saw.
1: Yeah. um, I agree. I think this is the first time that he's really been surprised. Like, I think this is the first time he really thought he has lost. Because, just like you said, we have seen him bested before, but he's never really out for the count. Like, even when we saw him take on whatever you called those reptile things, Basculus, when he fought the Basculus, you know, he still, like, hung in there and made it work, even when Siri was possessed. So, I think this is the first time. Do you think, you know, we were talking about in episodes this season how Geralt kind of just, like, runs into things. He doesn't really... Just like how he was, like, Strigobor, like, I'm going to kill him. Like, he doesn't really think about, like, plots, twists, and turns. Do you think this battle is going to change him to where he's going to start thinking intellectually about the way he approaches situations?
0: It's definitely going to change him, and it could be to... Where he's got to trust other people and the strengths that they have that he may not possess. So I think maybe more of a col- he, he becomes more of a collaborative uh, individual, being able to accept help from others. Where before he kind of liked to lone wolf it. I think that is more likely the situation. I don't think he's going to change his character at its core to where he's going to sit back and come up with these elaborate plans. You know, I just don't think that is who he is. But I think he is going to be able to. Puts, put his ego to the side and and receive help from people who are like that. That's that's my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think so too. I don't think he's going to – I mean, you know, he's not exactly human anyways. Like I don't think he's going to actually start thinking about how he affects the overall entirety of the situation and more just to, of course, get towards his goal. But I do think he'll start – you know, start thinking maybe more tactically in battles, just like you were saying, and how he can defeat one person. My next debate would be, which we talked about, is, and I don't want to keep harping on it because we talked about it, where the fuck did this Kahir thing come from? Like, all of a sudden, he's, you know, on his own. He's not for Amir. He's not for... The elves. He's kind of like right, you know, he's he's building his own bridge and I don't know like what was his thoughts? Do you think he was like trying to bring Siri back to Amir? Or do you think he was like trying to take her with him himself and like be like her new guardian, even though he barely fucking knows her and caused all this trouble in the past. Like, where do you think his direction was coming from? if we can take it in a grain of salt that this was the plan, which I don't think it was, but what? where do you think this came from in his mind if this is a plan at all?
0: I think it's very similar to the whole and selmy situation where he was working for King Robert and wanted... You know, and he didn't necessarily want Danny dead, but was willing to follow the orders to make sure that it happened, and then when King Robert died... You know he, or when I, yeah, even after King Robert died, he got banished from the. Uh, I would not really banished. He got relieved of his duties as the king's guard, and then he ended up going out on his own way and finding Daenerys and wanting to serve her because he felt that you know it was wrong what he was doing before, and he wants to serve someone who you know is is good and kind and true, and maybe that's the similar thing we got here. Maybe he, you know, you remember this him He would wake up in cold sweats from nightmares. He was killing his own friend at, at the request of this guy, and it just got to the. I think it maybe it got to the point where he wasn't willing to give up any more of himself for a goal that wasn't gonna bring him personally anything. It was like he was just doing the bidding of someone else. And then Fringilla's like, "Well, listen, like I, I'm free now." Uh, it's it's great way you can do when you think for yourself and yeah I think that's a very minuscule moment for him to have this epiphany I think it's something that could have been built up in a better way and him decide maybe him get to the point where like he's got to decide to either kill or capture Siri or take her side and never got to that point really it really they just found her and she attacks him and he's like basically giving up and allowing her to kill him if she wants to so I I just think that it, like. He was probably just internally conflicted about why he was pursuing this girl and why he was attempting to capture her for someone else's ends and goals and means where he didn't really understand what his role in it was or why this was so necessary he was just blindly following orders and realized that hey, you know, I gotta start asking questions and like why am I doing this? So I'm assuming that's the route they went with it, and I think realistically What he wants to do, is, what's going to end up happening, is he's going to become one of Cirilla's protectors. Especially now that who knows where the fuck Cirilla is and Geralt's out of commission. And who knows if Kahir even fought off those four Scoil mages that were coming at him. we still got to figure out what happens with that in the next coming episodes. So I just think it's one of those things where, at this point, we're going to try to have Kahir join up on that side and be one of her protectors going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't know. I mean, I agree with that to an extent. In a way, I think maybe like I I just have no conclusion for where that would even come in his head. He's like the guy that like doesn't know what he's going to do at this point if this is part of the plan. Like he was trying to get Amir on his side and then he was, you know, trying to use the whole Amir plan to get the elves on his side. So I just kind of wonder, like, why this would even be part of the plan. It's like you added an extra stop for no reason, but I guess maybe to have like Amir back his side. Um, but yeah, I mean, I—I well, I think he's going against Amir. I, guess... I think
0: he's not. I don't think he's for Amir anymore. I don't. I, that's what I'm saying. Is I think that he's—he's uh, he's now on his own. Yeah. He's on his own. His own. His own path. He doesn't answer to anyone anymore. I think he's just. do this is his own free will choice—is to help out Srilah. So. You know, he was he was brought back in by Amir, and I think he really regretted that choice, realized he had to kill someone who was close to him just to, to get, gain favor with Amir again after letting him down in Season 2, and he was, like, chained up and forced to do that grunt work duty in the forest of taking over caravans and almost dying a bunch of times, and finally Amir brings him back and tells him his first task to do to regain the trust is to kill his buddy. He does that, and he starts waking in cold sweats and nightmares, and he goes to the elves and gives the elves... Amir's terms, and, like, Amir and the elves are working together now for, like, you know, in terms of Nilfgaard, that's who's, you know, really backing that up there, is the elves, and and then from there, Fingilla has that quick conversation with Amir, telling him essentially to think for himself, and so now I think he's on his own free will, and he's like, you know what, I'm not doing this shit no more, I don't, I'm don't. i not gonna take her back to Amir, I'm going against Amir, uh, I don't want to be a part of that, so that that's what I think he's at, I don't think he's doing it for Amir, I think he's he's going against him now and he's on his own path.
1: I can see that. So then my question on that would be, do you think he has some sort of connection with Siri? Because you mentioned, you know, you brought up how he's having nightmares and we know Siri's having nightmares. Do you think there's ever like a connection with them that maybe
0: they share that hasn't been discovered yet? Maybe I, I would say non-magical though. Cause I don't, I've not seen any sort of ability from Kahir that, that really gives evidence to the fact that he's able to use telepathy or any sort of magic at all. And maybe there's just a um, similarities to their traumas and they can connect on that level. But I don't think it's anything divine or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and this wasn't really part of my debates, but just before we close out, I want to get your take on it just because I'm a little biased. Cause I wanted to see this character more, do you think it was too early to kill off my boy, Philavandrel? Man, they did him dirty. They did
0: my like, guy dirty, man. No respect. It was straight fucked. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily think they killed him off too early. I think they killed him off in the wrong way. I would have liked him to make one more big, impactful moment or do something really courageous or take out someone important or, or like sacrifice his life for a higher meaning you know maybe for all the elves to escape and not die he had to be able to sacrifice himself very similar to the paths in and the mandalorian where he's like all right y'all go i'm gonna handle this like something like that mm-hmm. i don't like the yeah. way that he was taken out it was very like dismissive like all right well here's a spell it almost said francesca <laughs> he dies in front all done you know, I, I thought that was very dismissive and, and kind of silly for someone who's supposed to be such a high-ranked uh, character in the Elves like community, Elven community. So in that regard, I don't like the way he went out, but in terms of do I think it was too early? No, I think it would have been cool maybe if his death signified life for somebody else or gave other people uh, a new purpose or was able to take out an enemy with his death or something like that. I, I think that would have been better and a better suiting for someone of his station versus what actually happened so do i like the way he went out no do i think it was too early also no i
1: agree man i i think yeah i don't think it was too early either i think he could have uh, you know this has been my problem with this season is like all the deaths that are supposed to be impactful even over at Galliant and all these other ones it's like wow like that's how they chose to do this like interesting choice he went out like a bitch too man i'll I'll say it he had his little hands up he
0: was like bro, bro he sacrificed himself for his <laughs> wife what are you talking about there's no less of a bitch move than that bro <laughs> g- bro willingly gave up his life knowing he was gonna die for his woman like that is the exact opposite the, of a bitch even... bro that is like the most hero way to go out i don't know what you're talking about
1: bro he he could have at least conjured some elf magic bro's the king of like all the elves like talked about in books couldn't even conjure no magic just up he jumped in the way he was like no my little hands and then uh, to say oh, Beat that ass. She (laughs) cast that spell, said, Yeah, you fuck now, bitch. You fuck now. (laughs) And he exploded all over his wifey. And that's what happened. And to say, a man wouldn't put up with no shit from no king of elves. That's for damn sure. (laughs) She was going straight for the check in mate. And luckily he was there, but. Yeah, man, I don't know what's up with this season because every impactful moment they should have had, like the big character sacrifice should have been Philip Vandrel this episode. And instead you chose to pull a Bellatrix Lestrange and have him explode into little pieces with his little hands up. Like he jumped in the way. He was like, I'm innocent. And then she blasted that motherfucker. And he was gone. He was gone forever. And I don't even know the point of him ever being in this show at this point. It was very sad.
0: Anyways, I'll let you close us out for the day. Sounds like a plan. Well, folks, if this is your first time listening to us. We hope you enjoy what you heard and that you stick around. And if you've been joining us from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you want to figure out where you can follow us and find us uh, online, we are on all the social network sites. We're on Instagram at official Patronus on TikTok at ridiculouspatronus. We've got a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy, backup TikTok at underscore or underscore fantasy. We also have our Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, ridiculouspatronus. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy, and we do have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. And so, please go ahead and give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, leave us written reviews, star ratings. All the engagement really helps us out here on the show. And in terms of the show, and where you can find it, podcast related, you can find if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcast. If you are an Android user, you can find us on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeart Radio. We're on Audible, we're on Amazon Music, we're on Acast, we're on Stitcher, we're on Podbean, our host site. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day. This has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing signing off. off.